This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. A movie called Cocaine Bear needs two things, a bear and some cocaine. Both are abundant in the new action comedy about a large quantity of cocaine that accidentally winds up deep in the Georgia forest. And who eats it? That's right, a bear. The bear proceeds to go on a rampage, eating and mauling various people as the drug runners who lost it try desperately to get it back. It's funny, it's weird, it's very bloody, it's Cocaine Bear. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about Cocaine Bear on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me today is Jordan Cruciola. She is a writer and producer and the host of the podcast Feeling Seen on Maximum Fun. Hi, Jordan. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And also with us is Ronald Young Jr. He is the host of the film and television review podcast Leaving the Theater. Hi, Ronald. Hello, Linda. Cocaine Bear is set in the mid-80s. It begins with a drug runner who meets a terrible fate while jumping out of a plane from which she's just thrown many duffel bags of smuggled cocaine. His boss, played by Ray Liotta, sends his son, Eddie, played by Alden Ehrenreich, along with his trusted Lieutenant David, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., to find all the duffel bags. But by this time, a black bear has already found the cocaine and ingested a lot of it and has begun to attack any human who comes close. A cop, played by Isaiah Whitlock Jr., pursues the drug runners, and a park ranger, played by Margot Martindale, eventually becomes aware of the rampaging bear. Meanwhile, a mom, played by Carrie Russell, goes in search of her daughter, who went wandering into the woods with her friend and vanished. I already feel very ridiculous explaining the plot in this much detail, because mostly this movie is about watching people be attacked by an incredibly high bear, which I will warn you can get pretty gross. But again, this is a comedy. It's extremely silly, and it is, after all, called Cocaine Bear. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks, and the producers include Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who you may know from stuff like The Lego Movie and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The movie is in theaters now. Jordan, how did you like Cocaine Bear? (laughs) What a question. What a question for the ages. I had a blast at Cocaine Bear, an important detail into my expertise on this matter is that I also have a disaster movie podcast where I talk about this subgenre of film a lot. And among peers like Boar and Into the Grizzly Maze, Cocaine Bear is an achievement in bear disaster cinema. And I went and saw it actually with my co-host at a screening. And she really artfully put, I thought, that it gives you more than the title promises while giving you exactly what the title promises. So Cocaine Bear was a two thumbs up for me. Two thumbs up from Jordan on Cocaine Bear. Ronald, how about you? I thought this movie was absolute garbage. Oh, no! And I'm already sorry. I hate that I'm coming in this hot. But I felt like if you're going to do a movie called Cocaine Bear, I think you got to lean more into it. And I don't think it leaned all the way in, which may sound ridiculous for the movie that we all just watched. But for me, it didn't feel funny enough to have totally understood the assignment. Like there were jokes in the movie and I did laugh. But I think that if I weren't in a theater full of people who were just ready to laugh at anything that came on screen, I don't know if in a room by myself, if I were watching this, if I would have still found some of the parts that I didn't find that funny 
as funny. It also felt like at times that it was wildly unbalanced. Like we go from basically jokes to like very grisly death scenes in a way that was so grisly where I'm like, oh, that person's dead. And we're just, we're going to ignore that completely, which like, that's not something that always bothers me. I've watched a lot of other movies that have like grisly deaths. The film series that comes to mind that I think is comparable would be, uh, Final Destination. If you watch Final Destination, it's really about grisly deaths happening over and over again. And in this movie, it felt like it was Final Destination E, but with jokes. But the jokes weren't funny enough to undercut all of the grisly deaths that I'm seeing. So at some point, I remember watching it and being like, oh man, that guy's dead. Or, oh man, that lady's dead. And going back to jokes about the bear. And it just felt like for that reason, it just felt unbalanced in a way that maybe would have been funnier if people weren't just dying. If it was more cartoonish, like more like just throwing people off a cliff and them surviving somehow, that would have probably put me more into the zaniness of this movie. But because of that, it just fell flat for me. That is fascinating to me because I felt like the exact thing that made this work for me was that they did lean so far into it. I felt like they very much committed to this as a very silly comedy that also has a bunch of grisly deaths. I don't disagree (laughs) with you at all. And it's really interesting because... (laughs) After I saw this at the screening, I had two different people that I know say to me, I would think, and this is a phrase that we use on this show, I would think this movie is not for Linda's. (laughs) Not for Linda's. It feels like the kids in the hall, like 100 Linda's agree. Yeah, right. And it is kind of true that grisly, violent, bloody stuff does not tend to be in my wheelhouse. But for some reason, there are individual things where I absolutely am able to overlook it because it's so goofy looking. Like, it's interesting that you said cartoonish, Ronald, because I did think the violence in this was pretty cartoonish, even though it's also pretty bloody. I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say the sort of favorite thing in this movie is showing somebody's bitten off leg And you see several different bitten off legs and they just look like props to me. So it's (laughs) like, I didn't think it was particularly vivid in that way. Although it's gross, it's explicit, but silly to me. That worked for me. And I felt like the silliness of it was enough. And also, I will say... We talk about this on this show a lot, too. This movie is 95 minutes. I think they know this is basically there is one funny idea for this movie. And they get in. They try a few different set pieces where different people get mauled and hurt and terrible things happen. And then they find a conclusion and they get out the door. And I think they realized, like, best case scenario, there's 95 minutes of movie that we can get out of this. <laughs> I also sort of liked, I think Carrie Russell really commits to this like very specific harried, imperiled mom in a movie from the 80s. (laughs) But Mama Bear and Papa Bear would be very angry because drugs, especially cocaine, are very, very bad. What if they would never find out? Oh, Henry, we always find out. And it's not just that it would be like a TV movie, but it kind of probably would be a TV movie, but it could also be like a kid's movie. She has this very specific, for one thing, pink workout suit, which is (laughs) perfect for the time. I love the score, which is from Mark Mothersbaugh, which I think is really funny because it's not just 
like saluting the 80s. It like has the credibility of of that. <laughs> I really I really enjoyed it. I really did. I had a great time, even though it's seemingly not for Linda's. I think that the aspect of the communal experience for this movie is actually it's a feature, not a bug. It's not like a happenstance. Like I wouldn't have enjoyed this if I wasn't with people. It's like absolutely no duh. Like, if you didn't catch this in the theater, get seven people at home and watch Cocaine Bear together. My theater was laughing so much. There's one woman. She was so in it. There was nothing that could have happened she wasn't going to laugh at. This woman just wanted to be there. And I think for me, tonally, actually, I've been thinking a lot about, like, what would the comp for this movie be if someone was asking me? And while it is not as good as the movie I'm about to say, the movie I'm about to say is is a classic of its form, Tucker and Dale versus Evil the horror comedy that's like an accidental slasher in the woods where everybody over the course of the movie is realizing they're in a slasher and they each think the other party is the villain in the scenario. So they're all constantly surprised about the carnage that's happening around them. Cocaine Bear is super like you're laughing a lot while somebody's being fed into a wood chipper while you're also trying to just like get your wits about you and be like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. So I think if you guys out there have seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil and you're like, I want more of that vibe. I think actually Cocaine Bear, shockingly, wouldn't have thought that was my comp coming out of it, is going to be effective for you. Yeah. Ronald, are you a horror comedy guy generally? I think generally it depends. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if it's going to be super gory, for instance, I'm thinking about Mortal Kombat, which is not a horror comedy at all, (laughs) but the one that came out on HBO Max, that was like super gory. Like, at some point, this guy's hat turns into a buzz side, cuts a person totally in half. And I remember watching that movie and being like, there's something about this that's working for me, even though it's like clearly leaning into the gore. So for me, it's not necessarily watching a movie and be like, yo, this gore is out of control. But I remember just like not feeling like I was having fun necessarily watching Cocaine Bear. And I've had fun watching other movies like Snakes on a Plane. There's plenty of gourd snakes on the plane, but I feel like there was something about the jokes that are in this movie that just worked better in Snakes on a Plane than necessarily for Cocaine Bear. And at one point, I mean, it's funny, the 95 minutes, I I remember I was sitting next to Jessica and as we walked out of the theater, we both agreed. We were like, does 90 minutes seem like it was a little long? Maybe they could have done this in an hour and 15? Because I felt like at one point when you get to the end of the movie, something is happening and people need to escape. It felt like totally the movie just, it wasn't funny anymore. It kind of turned into this family adventure, which I was confused by that because I'm like, oh, okay, so we're not, we're, it's not really about like the bear being the predator or any of that stuff anymore. We're kind of in this like family adventure zone in a cave. It almost felt a lot like the Goonies in that moment. Another movie, which I really enjoyed and thought was better than this one, even though that's a classic. But when I got to the end, because of, I didn't feel like I was necessarily having that much fun, I felt like it kind of overstayed even at 90 minutes, which was I know it was like unusual to say. So in the documentary, Roger and Me, <laughs> a perfectly normal segue. In the documentary, Roger and Me, there is a person who is selling rabbits. And they have a <laughs> sign that says rabbits or bunnies, pets or meat. Okay. I used to use this as a way to explain a certain kind of movie. There is a certain kind of movie where you can figure out who are the pets and who are the meat. And when you talk about an action movie, there are usually more pets and less meat of the people that you actually get to know. When you have a slasher movie, there is more meat and fewer pets. So I think one thing that happened to me, because in defense of the position that Ronald is taking, I did have a few moments where I was like, whoa. And I suspect we're thinking of some of the same ones 
where I was like, that is not somebody I thought was going to die in this movie. Uh huh. And it works better if you think of it as a slasher movie than if you think of it as an action movie in the sense that you don't want to get too attached to anybody. Really, it's going to come down to like a small group of survivors as opposed to an action movie like something like Air Force One, where out of everyone that you meet, (laughs) there are going to be a couple of sacrifices, right? Originally, I talked about pets or meat in the context of the movie Anaconda, which is funny because Ice Cube is in Anaconda (laughs) and Ice Cube's son. O'Shea Jackson Sr. Is in this. So I think if you think of it in terms of that ratio and realize that it has a higher, more slasher movie-like ratio of meat to pets, <laughs> it helps understand and prepare yourself for the movie. I actually felt like the emotional parts of this movie did work for me, too. Like, it's such a fantastic ensemble that though we spend, I feel like, limited time, obviously, with each pod, I cared about the outcomes of those pods. I cared about whether or not Park Ranger Margot Martindale was going to get it on with Park Guy Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And I, care I cared that. about whether Brooklyn Prince and, oh my God, this tiny boy, Christian Convery, he was the joke's master of this movie. And I whether agree. or not they were going to get out okay, because when there was that certain death we're talking about, I was like, have we just changed the stakes where I could lose anybody at any time and I'm going to be sad? And I felt like the, the buddy cop movie in the middle, too, with O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden Ehrenreich, I liked that, too. The moving and put quotes around the poignant parts of Cocaine Bear for me also actually landed. All credit due to the tremendous ensemble of actors that are in Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I agree. And can we just say a word, speaking of that, about this very funny performance from the late Ray Liotta, who is playing this kind of grungy, grody, high-level drug dealer and he is just giving it the full Ray Liotta. Full. You know? I thought it was hilarious that he, uh, th- there's a running joke about him being a grandparent that did make me laugh several times in which he's interacting with his son and his grandson and, and talking about his grandson, which 100% gets the full Ray Liotta treatment in a way that like only he could have done in those interactions. Absolutely. I think he's very funny in this. Miss him all the time. Yeah. If you miss the full Liotta, this is the full Leota in the comedy sense, right? Not in necessarily the fully dramatic sense, but in the in the comedic sense, this is the full Ray Liotta. If the last thing I was going to leave people with, if the last look people had of Jordan Cruciola was Cocaine Bear, I'd be like, yes, yes. <laughs> I sent the people out with a smile. I sent the people out with joy. They know that I was having fun to the very last. Like, I think this is a, in its way, beautiful swan song performance for an incredible actor, a legend that is Ray Liotta. Yeah. I think one thing I would take away from this conversation is that a lot of how you may feel about Cocaine Bear is going to come down to what you go in looking for and expecting. I just somehow, like, the Cocaine Bear of it all just ran away with me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, tell us what you think about Cocaine Bear. We know a lot of you are going to go and see it. Find (laughs) us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Up next, what's making us happy this week? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Third Love. Third Love makes solutions for every bra problem. Give yourself more lift, smoothing, and get straps that stay put. Every style's wear-tested on real women, made from premium materials, with a virtual fitting room to help you find your perfect fit. Comfort and support are guaranteed. It's time to get your problem solved. 
Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Planning a party or honoring a recent grad? Whatever the celebration, Whole Foods Market can make things easy, starting with some delicious marinated steaks, always antibiotic and hormone-free. Simple and easy eats are ready in the prepared foods department. And for dessert, how about a luscious berry chantilly cake? Not in the mood to cook? Their catering menu offers festive options ready to order online at shop.wfm.com. Start every celebration at Whole Foods Market. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What's making us happy this week? Jordan, what's making you happy this week? What is making me happy at this very moment is the trailer for the apparently forthcoming Amazon series Class of 07 starring Emily Browning and Caitlin Stacy, uh, an Australian series. An all-girls school has their 10-year reunion, I guess, in 2017 because they were Class of 07. And an apocalyptic wave hits where their reunion is and they are stranded so it turns into like fun yellow jackets fun lord of the flies with 2000s music and memories and in girl fighting and that is for me taylor made 100% my jam taylor made for jordan so that is the class of 07 which will be streaming on amazon prime in march we should note amazon supports npr and pays to distribute some of our content Thank you very much, Jordan Cruciola. Ronald Young Jr., what is making you happy this week? Well, speaking of cocaine, there is a show <laughs> There's a show on FX that just came back for its sixth and final season called Snowfall. And I had heard a lot about this show uh, from a lot of friends. You got to watch this show, Ronald. It's great. You got to watch it. And I never gotten around to watching it. And earlier this week, I started on season one and finished season one in about 12 hours. Just binged straight through. A very compelling show. Lots of black folks. I enjoy the setting and the characters. It reminds me of Breaking Bad, Narcos, and The Wire in some ways. Uh, but it's very effective with storylines. And I'm interested in what happens next to each one of these characters. I think some other... Other comparisons you can make to this show are actually to shows like The Dropout in that as you walk in as the audience, you kind of know the ending of the story is going to be dark and bleak, but the glamorous beginning is very interesting to watch. That being said, there's a trigger warning because at times it's a very violent show. There's some violent acts that occur on and off camera, and the glamorous beginning can be seen as glorifying drugs and drug dealing in a way uh, if you watch it too closely because these people are inventing crack and they're looking <laughs> at it as this wonderful product that they're going to make millions of dollars off of, but it's a very compelling show. Lots of fun to watch. Would recommend. It's on FX Snowfall. Thank you very much, Ronald Young Jr. What is making me happy this week is a book called Oscar Wars, A History of Hollywood in Gold, Sweat, and Tears. It is, uh, I have sort of just started listening to the audiobook. It is by Michael Shulman. It takes on the entire history of the Academy Awards. And when I first started it, I was like, do I really want to go back to the entire like creation of the Academy? But I kind of did. <laughs> like I said, I am still at the beginning of this book. But he was on Fresh Air recently talking about the book. So you can hear him talk more about it. I've also read some excerpts that get into like the La La Land Moonlight thing and a bunch of other stuff. It comes, I think, right up to very recently. And if you are, as I am, a person who both likes to and has to watch the Oscars, 
the fascination with kind of this process and what it originally meant and what it means now is absolutely worth exploring. I'm super excited to read the rest of this book. So again, that is Oscar Wars, A History of Hollywood in Gold, Sweat, and Tears. That is what is making me happy this week. If you want links for what we recommended, plus some more recommendations, sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. Do not run into any cocaine bears. That brings us to the end of our show. Ronald Young Jr., Jordan Cruciola, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. This episode was produced by Mike Katzif, Hafsa Fathima, and Candice Lim, and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Really don't run into any cocaine bears. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all next week. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice, but you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capital One. With the Spark Cash Plus card, you earn unlimited 2% cash back on every purchase for your business. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash SparkCashPlus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I I just started doing research. But the truth is, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR.